Welcome back to PriceBio. In late 2019, Ben and I interviewed Dr. Caleb Redden, an orthopedic surgeon who is also the team doctor for Cage Muscle. As a man who can repair spines, enhance strength, and even make you big, it's no surprise why Chris Gethin brought him onto the team. Hope you enjoy this one, and you can always check out pricefile.com slash caged-muscle to see all of Caged Muscle supplements and news and deals. People come into a medicine clinic, doctor might tell them, yeah, you got a stress fracture. And people that aren't athletes or who aren't physically active are going to say, well, how long can I be off work? And the people who are coming to the sports medicine clinic, the first thing they ask is, when can I go back to work? Like, when can I go yeah, back to my activity? I love that. And that's, that's addicting, man. Welcome to Price File. So welcome to the Price Hall Podcast. We have with us Dr. Caleb Redden, who is the newest member of Team Cage Muscle. Caleb's over in Boise, Idaho, and we've already been talking for about nine minutes, and we're uh, catching up on uh, how he motivates patients, but Caleb has been, been the team doctor for all the Cage Muscle, or maybe all of the, uh, nearly all the Cage Muscle athletes, and you have recently come on board as a sponsored athlete as well as um, and you're going to continue, I, I, I guess, as a doctor as well. And so we'd just love to hear from how you're taking some of the, the you know, principles from Chris Gethin and applying them into uh, how you do things yourself. Because it seems like we kind of all speak the same language and have a very strong like nutrition first type of philosophy. But you clearly are uh, a hard worker and can push people to work very hard too. So welcome aboard officially here. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real honor and a pleasure to be speaking with you guys. I mean, I've I've uh, been researching your site and really impressed with, you know, the product that you guys give, the content that you provide for people, and the service that you provide by reviewing products, um, you know, supplements. When I say products, a lot of times mm -hmm. that that becomes more than just a dietary supplement. Like your the content that you provide and the information that you provide, that's the product that you guys are providing. I think y'all do a great job. So I'm thrilled to be here. Grateful for the opportunity. Um, yeah, I work. Uh, I'm a I'm a sports medicine physician, so I, I trained, um, did a residency in primary care, so family practice, and then I did extra training in orthopedics and sports medicine. So now I'm a, a uh, basically a, my job, my clinic job is non-surgical orthopedics. So I do all types of um, sports medicine. So from, you know, top of your head, your toes, any muscle, joint, bones, nerves, all that stuff, and then all the, the metabolic processes. And so I've definitely been working with a great number of the cage muscle athletes for the past few years. Um, not all of them, obviously, but a few of them and as a consultant. And so over the last four to six months, I've been working with cage muscle to be uh, their team doctor for their, their athletes. Um, they've got a, a, a large number of athletes that are sponsored. And uh, a lot of times those guys have their own positions that are, in their hometowns, but it's hard to find a physician who lifts weights or understands the fitness industry. Um, and so I sort of fit that niche for them so I can be a consultant, a health consultant for the athletes. And then also, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no Olympic athlete like, like uh, Dalton, but I'm a fairly strong guy and, and I definitely live the lifestyle um, as far as lifting weights. Like I, it, it's not just, you know, uh, um, kind of pussyfooting around, like I really get after <laughs> it. And so I feel like I match pretty well with the cage muscle team. And so, yeah, I've been really grateful and honored to be part of their, their program. And I'm helping out with um, dietary information, with supplemental information, with health information, with, you know, biomechanics and rehab and all these things. And then also, you know, helping Gethin and the other athletes with their own health and their own mortality. And that's what I think I, that I love so much about cage muscle in general is that they're, 
their focus really is on living your best life, being as healthy as you can be, longevity, making you know weightlifting and bodybuilding um, and fitness a part of your life, not the entirety of your life. I mean, I think that oftentimes, at least I know I'm guilty of being in my earlier life. Um, it was, I just want to get as big as I can get, as strong as I can get. And I don't care if it's, you know, if I die young and I'm in a big friggin' coffin, that's good enough for me. Like, I just want to be huge, you know, but um, I realized along the way that that was a, that was sort of a ridiculous way to live life. And so I've made some changes and I think I see those changes in some of the, the professional bodybuilders that are kind of aging they're understanding that there's more to it and um you can do this forever so what, yeah really yeah, excited so, so at what age did that start to uh that shift start to happen or did anything specific or was it just an age yeah. thing where some of it gets gets with us and before i stop talking i have the new pink lemonade pre-cage that's what i'll be yeah man right here. <laughs> what do you think that's pretty good stuff i huh? love it yeah you only need 12 yeah. ounces of water which i guess is a big feedback i don't mind the other the other flavors that you could just throw down 20 ounces of water but i can see for some of the the smaller people or people who just want a shot like this is a it's a really good flavor and it's just like my 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 whole idea was it was just professionally designed like when you get something from brian rand you just know like how much care and time went into it and i i said in our little instagram video like cage muscle isn't just rushing products out every three weeks this is not how it's done yeah. but when you get something like this they listen to the consumer feedback people want to use a little bit less water so i only have like 12 ounces of water here and um and they take their time to do it right. And so with the, you know, there's mostly stevia in here, natural colors, natural flavors. Chris tries to keep it as, as you know, least as less artificial as possible. And there is some sucralose right. on the back end. But at the at the end of the day, with all that said and the fact that it's drug tested for the athletes, I, I couldn't be more enthusiastic about how this product was ahead of its time and is still on our top five pre-workout list. And uh, yeah, this is a new flavor. I'm not a huge pink lemonade fan, but they split like the the sweet and the tart right down the middle. So yeah, me too, Very man. Awesome. I'm not a big lemonade fan. Mm -hmm. I really am not. But and um, I got my, I got a bottle of it myself. In yeah. fact, I've got some here, um, in my drink bucket as well. And um, yeah, I was like quite surprised. I was like, man, I'm actually, I'm really digging this. Like, I was, I, I wasn't sure I was gonna like it because. Uh, I'm not a lemonade fan, but yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, and I sure. agree with everything you said. Like, and you you stated that eloquently. Like, they really do a phenomenal job of producing a, a quality product that, you know, if you're going to use supplements, you should you should drink or use things that are going to be safe for you and healthy for you and help you achieve your goals. And you know, if you're going to be a, for instance, a college athlete or a pro athlete, and you have restrictions on banned substances you need to have a product that's third-party tested and as pure as possible. Yeah. And I think they are really tip of the spear when it comes to that. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, let's, uh, let's, get, let's get back to you a little bit. We can talk cage muscle all day long, of course. And we have with Chris Gatham, we can link back to our other, uh, our other podcast interview with him from late 2017. But yeah, so when did you kind of make your shift when you like didn't need to be as big sure. as possible? What, what age yeah. were you at there? I think it was when I hit 30, to be honest <laughs> yeah. with you. Um, I, I started, I started, uh, kind of falling apart. Um, it was a, a kind of a transition point in my life where I was a dad, my kids were growing up and, you know, being really big, I wasn't able to play with them. Um, you know, we'd be jumping around on the tramp and I'd be like winded, like gassed, like my lungs would hurt. And my older son would want to go play football in the park and run routes and stuff. And, and I was an athlete, like I played sports in college and, and, um, after college and through med school, I, you know, I just, all I could do is lift weights and I thought, well, I'm just going to get as big as I can get and strong as I can get and started 
started kind of breaking down. I had, um, I've had some really significant injuries that, you know, right, wrong or indifferent helped me see a little bit more of that. I'm not bulletproof. You know, I, I, I am capable of getting hurt and, uh, waking up in pain every morning sucks. And then when you're hurt, you can't lift at all. It's like, well, you know, what good does that do you? And then I realized too, like, um, my body, like I've, you know, we all have genetic potential. We all have genetic limitations. And I mean, I had to eat ridiculous amounts of food all day, every day. And it was, it was like consuming my life for months and months and months at a time. And then my gym sessions were taking so much time that you know, I was missing out on family life and, and I was getting hurt. And so I decided, well, maybe instead of just trying to be as big as I can be, maybe I'll try to improve the quality of my, of my physique and my overall health and my overall fitness. And by fitness, I mean cardiovascular, you know, lung potential and um, gut health and everything. Like I want to be physically fit and, and being strong is part of that. I wanted to look strong, but I wanted to be strong and be able to function well and be able to, to run a 5K with my kids if I needed to or go mountain biking with my wife. I mean, she all, she still kicks my ass, but at least I can kind of keep up with her now. When I was 30 pounds heavier, I couldn't, you know? So I would say around 30. And by the time I was 32, 33, it was, a, it was very evident that um, me trying to be a 400-pound monster just wasn't going to happen. So hmm. changed my goals a little bit. Definitely. That's something that I've really run into, and it's, it's frustrating. I, I'm this, I think you kind of mentioned genetic potential before. And uh, previously, I don't know if we're going to be able to splice it in here, but, like, you talk about people like Jesse Norris who, like, they're just built to carry muscle mass. Yep. I'm six foot four and I graduated high school at 170 pounds. I'm not saying I should be at that weight, but I'm a lanky dude. So to put muscle on myself is very difficult. And, uh, you know, I'm 265 right now. My coach wants me to be 275, you know, and it's, it's like, you can only push food for so long before I mean, I'm not married. I don't have kids, so I do have some liberties with my time and stuff, but it still consumes your time. You know, I'm, I'm working. It's like I have to take breaks from work to go cook food and eat it. And yeah. it takes away from your life. Yeah. And, you know, I, I work with, like, some some pro football players and college football players and, like, especially in linemen, right? So, like, got big, big dudes, big people. Yeah. That they go to college, big dudes, and then they get bigger. And then they go to the NFL and get bigger. And then when they finally hang it up, because football is a game of mortality, right? Like you don't play that forever. It's not like golf. Like, you can't play when you're 80. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they finally finish, and then they just they can't do life. Like, they, they come and talk to me. They're like, Doc, I, don't, I, I can't do anything. Like, I'm really good at pushing people around for five, ten seconds at a time. But, you know, I can't walk up the stadium stairs now to, to go watch a concert because my knees hurt and my back hurts and I can't breathe. And. And I'm like, you know, like, what are your goals in life? That's really what it comes down to. Like, what are your goals in life? And really, if you're 265 versus 275 and then you get really lean and you, you show off that muscle, you know, you're going to you're going to have a set point that changes a little bit every time. But you give up a little bit every time, too. Right. Yeah. So, like, the heavier you get, the more risk you have for sleep apnea and for joint problems and things. And at some point, at some point, you know, people's goals change and shift and you don't want to chase a goal and a dream early in life that's going to screw up your dreams later in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So looking at that longevity, I think, is important. And, and yeah, like these football guys that come back, like, you know, it's really interesting. The guys that – I've got one buddy who – he graduated college, played uh, – he's a defensive tackle, and I think he graduated right around 310. He's a big guy. He's like 6'4", 6'5", 310. 
And now he weighs like 225 and he's stronger now than he ever was in college. You know, what yeah. I mean? and he looks like a million bucks. Like he, he's a strong, capable guy who doesn't need to carry around that extra weight. Cause all that extra weight really wasn't doing him any good in real life outside of football. So we all sort of come to that realization of like what our bodies are built to do. Um, you know, you're a six four, six four, like putting on weight on a guy that's six four. That I mean, one pound of muscle on you looks totally different than one pound of muscle on a guy like Geffen, who's only five yeah. seven or whatever he is. You know. Yeah, and I, I you also mentioned uh, like the time that you take away from your family, like being in the gym, like even like past that, like um, you know, I'm prepping right now for a meet. Last week, my family wanted to go apple picking, and it was the day of my squats. We walked probably like two miles picking these stupid apples, <laughs> and I, you know, I go to squat later on in the day, and it's like I was so gassed from walking, and it's like, well, what are you going to choose? Are you going to really not live your life for? I mean, unless you're, you know, going to the Super Bowl or whatever, like it, unless you're somehow being financially supported by this, like, right. how much are you willing to to risk? Right. How much are you willing to give up? And uh, you really take like the other side of it too is you're taking away time at the end of your life too. Like you're, you're on all that weight. So it's, it, it's definitely a sobering realization to come to. It's like, it's okay to give up a little bit and live your life. Exactly. And when you look at it as, you know, I'm maybe I'm, you know, it's just this balancing act, right? Because part of me, and I'm sure you, you're the same, I can hear it. You're the same part of me is like, man, I want to live 20 years of lying just as mean and big and strong as I can possibly be versus seven years a lamb. But you got to realize you're not a lamb. Like you're 265, 6'4, you're pulling the six, 700 pound deadlift. Like you're better, like you're stronger and, and, and more of a specimen than 99% of the world. You know what I mean? Like you're not a lamb, but we have yeah. this, we, we have this construct, this, this false reality of what we think um settling would be like we're settling we're not chasing our goals we're not pushing ourselves hard enough we're not you know we're not measuring up to some imaginary bar but really like you're lifting weights you're lifting big weights you're a big strong guy like that's pretty admirable you know what i mean like you're not you're not sacrificing anything by you know taking some time to go pick apples with your family and then maybe not having a, a supreme squat day. There's a lot of leg days coming up. There's not yeah, a lot of exactly. time to pick apples. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think that and that was something that like last year I started to realize how selfish I had been. And uh, you, know, you, you finish up and you, you meet whatever goal it is. And you look back to like, man, I, I lost a lot of time. Like that was like, a, you think about how much time any, if you think about like a season for an athlete or a prep for a bodybuilder or a power, a power lifter, like, 16 weeks is four months, which is a third of your year. You know, you're taking up a lot of time. So it, it started to dawn to me. And I know I know a lot of, like you said, bodybuilders are starting to see this. Bodybuilders are starting to talk about flexibility and their dieting. We did a podcast with John Meadows who said during his entire career, every single Friday, he allowed himself to have dinner with his family. And it was a, like, it wasn't like ice cream and waffles and stuff, but it was like, he allowed himself to have the social setting with his family and eat and stuff and how important that was to him. Uh, I think that a lot of people are starting to understand you can reach huge goals and huge accolades while still being a little bit, you know, flexible in your plan. Yeah. Balanced, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you see that with injuries, the people who are going as hard and as ridiculous, like they don't like, you have to have that, that, 
deload that time to allow yeah. yourself to recover. Yeah, like so. I perfect example. Um, you know, I've had four knee surgeries, and and two back surgeries, and a hip surgery from a ruptured adductor longus tendon. And um, three or four years ago, one of my friends died. Uh, he was he was really young. He was like fifty five. Died from a heart attack in his sleep, and he was a insanely strong individual guy. I really looked up to, and when I trained with him, it was always really heavy, you know. And uh, I, it was sobering to me to see this this guy who was just really strong, really fit to die. And on his like the day after his service, I had a session where I just I just went completely into a another world, and I, you know, we were squatting. I think we were up right around six hundred pounds. And I got 600 pounds for one rep, and I was like, "This one's for Vic." And then, um, you know, his his anniversary of his death was just a little bit ago, and I tried to do the same thing, like have a squat session in his honor, you know. And I got up to 405, and that's about as far as I felt like I could go. And I was, I felt like this inner turmoil between feeling weak. I mean, I squatted 405, twice my body weight, and I felt weak, and I thought, "Man, I'm letting Vic down. I'm not." pushing hard enough but then i was like man vic's in his grave and he would much rather have me healthy and you know just trying to do the best i can and preserving my body and being around for my kids and you know it was a weird feeling it was because i was like ashamed that i could only squat 405 but then at the same time i was like that's pretty freaking good yeah <laughs> four knee surgeries and two back i'm doing all right you know i'm like an, kind of a seasoned guy here like i'm not a spring chicken anymore like that's all right. That's just a, that's just fine. And so being able to be comfortable and and feeling good about your progress, regardless of where you're at, and just honoring the effort that it took, I feel like that's that's what Vic would be proud of. Is like I gave my I gave my all. You know, I wasn't like a world class squat, but I gave my all. So I mean, I think finding that balance is important. Yeah. Last December, uh, when I competed, I I squatted six seventy five, which was a seventy five pound all time PR for me, and but. Shortly after the squat, after the adrenaline wore off, uh, I realized I had some. I had done something to my hamstring. Mm-hmm. It was pretty bad. To the time where I got, by the time I got to deadlifts, I couldn't even reach down to get to the bar. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of flossing and, and warming up to get it to happen. But even then, I all I pulled was six sixty five in that meet, and uh, I qualified for the Arnold. And even just saying that, like all I pulled was six sixty five. Like, yeah, you know it. People yeah, are they're still, so- like freaking out for me. Like, you qualified for the Arnold Classic, da, 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 and I'm I'm saying to myself like, I was like 60 pounds under where I should have been on my deadlift. Right. Like, but you literally did something that like less than one percent of the world can do. Right. And so yeah, I, I totally understand. Like, you feel you you set this huge uh, expectation for yourself, and I think that successful people in all cases do this. Like, whether it's a strength sport or it's endurance or. Yeah rears or anything you have an expectation for yourself it's hard to back down off of that and see the merit that's what that's what competitive drive is you know what i mean like that feeling of never being satisfied and never feeling like you're being complacent that's important but at the same time you have to walk that fine line of reasonability and and uh make those reasonable expectations cool i think what's cool about what you do dr caleb is that you could transfer that drive into other things because it sounds like you have so many irons in the fire and i kind of want to hear about some of the other ones you have you have patience you have cage muscle you have family and everything like if someone who's a professional football player that's that's it and then once they hit the wall it's like there's very few things left to do but then you see like some of the most successful people they're able to jump and just take that um 
the, the almost the addiction and put it into something else. So like, what, what yeah. how do you manage all this time? Like, what are all the irons that you have in the fire? Cause I know you're running a clinic. You got, the, I don't know. How, yeah. So what, what all do you have going on? But I think just real quick to speak to that, the mental fortitude, the strength, the mental and emotional strength that you build in the gym and that you build dieting mm -hmm. and bodybuilding, you need to transfer that strength to real world, to real life, mm -hmm. right? You talked about like, you know, we all know these people who maybe have phenomenal physiques and have absolutely just incredible weightlifting capabilities and they might not even have a job. You know, they're, they're, they're not really happy in life. They're not really successful in life. Sure, they're good at lifting weights or maybe they have an amazing physique, but I like, I am motivated and inspired by people who are able to take that strength from the gym and apply that to other aspects of their life, right? And do more than just compete at bodybuilding or do more than just lift heavy weights. And so, yeah, so that's one point. As far as all the irons in the fire, uh, so <laughs> I, I have a, I'm the deputy commissioner and the chief medical officer for our state athletics committee. So I'm on the athletics commission. And in that role, I'm basically covering all the combat sports in our state, trying to help improve MMA and boxing in our state, make it safer for the athletes, make it more reasonable for promoters to come and to run events. I've worked with most of the major organizations, Bellator, UFC, um, Front Street Fights, and really enjoy that position. So I get to be cage side with a lot of MMA fighters, which then parallels well with cage muscle because they have pro fighters, the UFC fighters. And so that's one iron. Um, I'm also the team doc for Cage Muscle and a sponsored athlete for Cage Muscle. I have a clinic. So, yeah, I see patients here, sports medicine clinic. Um, I run uh, sort of my own clinic as well on the side um, at one of the local gyms called the Mecca Gym. And I basically do, like, consultations for fitness, nutrition, um, you know, some personal training, I really, really uh, narrow down the scope there. And I just take a very select kind of special few clients. Um, you know, I've got, like right now, I've got a kid named Boone Barlame, this cervical spinal injury kid that I'm working with. And then I've worked with a couple of um, NFL linebackers this last summer. Um, so there's that. And then I've got three kids and my wife, and she's a fitness instructor as well. She works for Cycle Bar, just recently was working for D1. And she just finished up working with those guys. Um, and then on top of that, I do, uh, I'm working on research projects and trying to, to, um, you know, build, build the fitness and the medical community, um, speaking at conferences. And the lastly, I'm the vice president of a company called remote health solutions, which is a telemedicine company that has a device that allows for exam capabilities. So we can put, um, doctors in dangerous situations without endangering their lives. So you can put one of these into a combat medic zone and um, doctors can do full physical exam and do procedures um, without having to be there next to the patient. So you can put one of these on an airplane or on a drilling rig, things like that, and, and be able to have real-time physical exam. So that's all of my stuff right now as far as like employment goes. Um, I sleep about four or five hours a night. Um, I try to spend at least one or two hours of quality time with my family every day. I try to spend at least one hour lifting weights and at least 20 to 45 minutes a day doing cardio. I don't take lunch breaks. Um, at work, I work through lunch. Uh, 
you know, breakfast is usually spent eating and doing emails at the same time. And uh, I try to spend at least, you know, a little bit of time on the weekends, uh, you know, and not not always because I work to at least two, if not three weekends um, a month, but trying to decompress a little bit and, and find some quiet time. And usually that's only like 15 minutes, but um, I think that's important. I don't have days off. Um, I was talking to a friend the other day about this. Like, I don't, I don't have like a day off. But if I'm not in clinic, I'm filling that up with other things. So I, I don't look forward to days off. I look forward to time off. And so um, yesterday, or let's you know, on Monday, I didn't have clinic, but I had like um, six hours worth of meetings. And so it was technically a day off from clinic, but I was still working. And so I spent four hours with my kids and wife and an hour at the gym. And then the rest of the day I spent working on meetings and stuff. And that was technically my day off. So I definitely, definitely stayed pretty busy. And it's been like that for the past like seven or eight years. When I was in residency, we worked, you know, I worked a 24 hour shift every five days in the hospital. So I'd be on literally in the hospital working straight 24 hours. The next day, I had a 24-hour mandatory off time. I could probably get in trouble for saying this, but during that 24-hour off time, I was the I was the chief medical officer for a hospice company. I would go to home health visits and hospice visits with people who were passing away, and basically help people at end of life for 12 hours on my on my off time. And then the next morning, I started clinic again and worked through clinic. And so I was working like 120 hours a week straight for you know three years and and I can probably count on one hand the number of full days off I took without doing any work. Wow. So yeah, your, your default mode seems on. Uh, the, the, the one is story that's interesting to me, and Ben was telling me uh, about this before we even started talking, was the recovery from uh, spinal trauma. Is that something that you're kind of like a specialist in at this point? Or like, can you go into that at all? I, I know it's a patient, so you got HIPAA and all that. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious. You're getting people walking, it sounds like. Yeah, I think – um, I, I wouldn't call myself a spinal specialist, but I'm a musculoskeletal specialist. And so, um, basically with the patients I've had who have had neurologic injuries, I'm, I'm basically finding a way for them to improve what they have and then trying to get neurons and synapses firing in other ways so that they can build upon things that aren't working. And um, I've had a, a few patients, some of them we've been successful with, some of them we haven't. Um, but really, there's a certain point where people, there's a disconnection between medicine and physical therapy, and strength training or personal mm-hmm. training, right? So a lot of times doctors don't have the time or, you know, quite frankly, the expertise in exercise prescription. And so I am a specialist in exercise prescription. and and nutrition and so i can kind of fill that role and then with physical therapy a lot of times they're they do amazing with rehab but then people get kind of back to where they were or where they should be and then they need help going to that next level that's not really what physical therapy is designed for therapy is to help you rehab and get you back to where you were and in some cases make you better than you were before but most of the time not um you know insurance doesn't cover so much this that and the other so there are limitations of what physical therapy can do. And then with personal trainers, you know, if you get a great <laughs> personal trainer, that's great. But not always are personal trainers um, qualified or uh, as educated in in human anatomy and biomechanics as perhaps 
they should be. Uh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm bad mouthing personal trainers at all. I'm not, but I've no, seen we, personal trainers that I'm um, like, you have no business being a personal trainer. I don't care if you filled out the certificate or not. Like, you know what I mean? And so there's just a very low barrier to entry with that kind right. of stuff. Like, you can just take a class online and be hired. Um, and a lot of gyms don't want us to spend too much on it. They want to make money. So yeah. to have the actual qualifications, the, 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 the cost that it would take to have a highly certified or highly qualified personal trainer is usually a little bit too high for gyms. And like a, a quick shout out to that, that gym that you're talking about, Mecca, is almost like an anomaly. And the people at that gym are like all evidence-based, like educated people. I've, I was blown away by the people I met when I went there. Yeah, that's that's one reason why I like working there. I have a very very close relationship with all their trainers. It's really pretty impressive. I like I send people to therapy all the time, and I explain exactly what I want, and then the therapist relays back to me how the patient's doing, and and that's a great relationship. I do the same thing with the trainers at the Mecca. They all will send a patient or a client to me, and we'll work together. I'm like this person has this problem, so femoral acetabular impingement syndrome. So their hip has too much coverage and they're banging their bones back and forth, causing hip pain. They need to modify their activity. And so I can tell the trainer, this is the anatomy that they have. These are the biomechanical properties that we need to, to work around. This is how I would prefer that you change their programs. And then they can do that and get better. Instead of me just saying to the patient, you got to stop squatting because you're going to mess up your hip. Right? So like, stop squatting, you're going to mess up your hip. No, that's not it at all. Like I can talk to the trainer, we can find them a program that helps them to be able to achieve their goals without being in pain and without causing further damage. And, and that's an amazing relationship that I have with them. So I love that about the Mecca gym, but yeah, so I, I work with patients, you know, who have had spinal cord injuries and they have basically outworked their physical therapy or their insurance won't pay for any more physical therapy you know, visits, and then they go and get a personal trainer to help them in the gym. And the personal trainer's like, I don't know what to do with you. I, I'm not sure what you're capable of. I don't want to hurt you, you know, all those things. And so I become, I found a hybrid in there with some of the trainers at the Mecca and then myself helping out some of these people and being able to help them out. Cause a neurologic injury puts your joints at risk. It really does because your joints move abnormally and then that creates wear and tear and you know, if they can't feel certain things and the sensation's not there and, you know, if there's an accident, they drop a weight. Like, it's definitely dangerous, but it's a controlled risk. You know, we definitely take all the precautions we need to to, to make sure that they improve without getting hurt. Cool. Nice. Is there anything that you've uh, suggested to, that Chris Gethin do or anything like that? Like, any, any fun things that you could tell us about that? Yeah. Um, things he has or definitely. has not listened to you about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't want to like, uh, I don't, I don't want to say too much about his medical histories. So oh, no, I, you no, know, no. I don't want to like crossing barriers there, but I think, um, definitely with some of the injuries that he has mentioned on social media, I feel like are safe for me to talk about, but he, he's had a couple, he, he had a growing strain that was really bad. And so we talked about his, his gait analysis and I kind of talked about how he was getting for his Ironman. And I was like, look, talk to your, your biking and your running coach. Let's change your gait stance and your stride a little bit. Um, and he did that and it, it got better and healed up and that worked really well. Um, some of the shoulder activities that we've done together with his shoulder, you know, I've had surgery, like he's, he rehabbed that beautifully and he's now feels no pain and is just as strong as he's ever been with his shoulders. Um, he had a knee injury that, uh, you know, it was a, a minor injury, but we were able to get him 
sort of working around that in, in um, some of the training modalities that I talked to him about, like, hey, do it this way instead of this way. And uh, that made a big difference for him. That's kind of what I do with the other cage muscle athletes, too. So I've, I, I don't want to, um, like, one of the other athletes had a neck issue, and I was able to show that person a way to do, you know, just watching their biomechanics and how they lifted weights. And I was like, you know, I think if you change this and this, it'll improve the the structure, which will then improve the form. And I think your pain will improve and, and it works, you know. And so being able to have that very critical eye on the biomechanical properties, I think, helps people. And, you know, I think they listen to me because I live the lifestyle. You know, if you if you go talk to a, a doctor that's super out of shape and doesn't look like they lift and they tell you to do even if it is the right information, it's harder to take them seriously if they're if they don't look like they do it themselves, you know. Yeah, you have like to it's tough to find the team of, of yeah. professionals to help you out. Like I, I go to a chiropractor that used to be a football player, and he works with a lot of athletes, so it's close. And there's been multiple times where I ask, like, I always have trap issues. I like since like be since before I was lifting heavy, I always had tight traps. It's just I, I think it's part of my lankiness, but. Um, at one point I would, you know, I asked him like, you know, what can I do to make this stop happening? He's like, honestly, you should stop deadlifting, but I know that's not going to happen. So we can find other ways to work around it. I think that's one of the realizations yeah. in being a team with athletes is like, you want to tell them you probably should stop putting yourself in this danger, but you know, it's not going to happen. Like it, you, you have to kind of accept that and work around it. So right. it's hard runner, to find people. Runners are the worst, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, runners are the worst because they don't—they just run like that's what they do. And I'm like, you got a stress fracture in your foot. I, you got to stop running. And they're like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, let's ride a bike, let's swim, let's strength train. And it's almost like I ask them to stop breathing. You know, yeah. it's like, geez. So yeah, I definitely I love, but I love that about athletes. I love that about people who have a, uh, a drive to compete in whatever sport it is. It doesn't matter if it's shuffle ball or powerlifting. I don't care. Like I yeah. love that drive. That's the difference between medicine and sports medicine. When people come into a medicine clinic, doctor might tell them, yeah, you got a stress fracture and people that aren't athletes or who aren't physically active are going to say, well, how long can I be off work? And the people who are coming to the sports medicine clinic, the first thing they ask is, when can I go back to work? Like, when can I go yeah, back to my activity? I love that. And that's, that's addicting, man. Mm -hmm. You mentioned how, how well Chris Gethin rehabbed. And I think that was that's one thing that I see with athletes. Um, like, I, I'm having some sort of delt issues right now. And my coach sent me, like, this uh, this whole, like, list of shoulder things to do. And, like, the third day is, like, how many times have you done it? I was like, I've done it every day. It's like, well, I wanted to get better. So, of course, I did the things that were going to make me better. And I, I, I'm always kind of confused when people get prescribed work and they don't actually work on it. It's like, well, did you or did you not want to actually get better? And I think that's exactly what you're saying. It's like people just want want time off of work instead yeah. of getting to it. Yeah. So let's say I'm going to put you in a, a, a hypothetical situation just for like our, our standard visitor. Someone is, let's just say it's a standard gym bro. No one going for any records or anything, but 25-year-old male. And their shoulder hurts when they bench. Like, what do they do to get the right doctor who's got, like, your type of specific knowledge? Like, what do they search for? What do they, they – they can't diagnose anything themselves. Their, their shoulder hurts. Like, that's it. And they, they've kind of gotten stuck at 225 or something like that. 
Like, how sure. do I? What's the process that a regular civilian goes through to find someone like you? Let's say if they live in Columbus, Ohio, or whatever, a pretty good city, yeah. you know. Yep. The first thing they want to do is find a sports medicine doc. So, um, if you if you're there, I would say in most areas of the world, you're going to be able to find people who who are sports medicine trained, and so. Um, that'll be, that'll be listed as like their qualification, like sports medicine trained. They don't always have to be orthopedic surgeons or orthopedic doctors. They can be primary care, PM&R, pediatrics, internal medicine, but they've got a, a, a fellowship training that allows them to see things differently. And so you search up a sports medicine doc and make an appointment. And the first thing really is like to look at your biomechanics and to look at your structure, your anatomy, and to get a good physical exam. That's why I recommend people go see a doctor um, because there are lots and lots and lots of different healthcare providers who can evaluate and treat. Um, but, but really you need a diagnosis so that once you have the right diagnosis, then you get the correct treatment plan and you can go see the, you know, all the other, all the other modalities can be part of your treatment plan, but you got to have the right diagnosis first. You got to understand what the problem is before you go and try to fix it. I think that unfortunately is one of the problems with social media and with the internet is, you know, people will list their symptoms. They'll go online and they'll say, well, you got shoulder pain. It's got to be your rotator cuff or your rotary cuff. I hear that all the time. It's got to be your rotary cuff. <laughs> your rotary cuff's all jacked up. And then you're a 24-year-old male. You don't have a rotary cuff to begin with, number one. And number two, your rotator cuff is fine. Um, but those symptoms are consistent with like a weightlifter shoulder. And so they'll be like, well, it's got to be what it is. But really, it's not. And then you go in and get the doc's office and you can get the right imaging and the right physical exam, then they can give you a diagnosis and a treatment plan. So, I mean, I think that's where you start with just a sports medicine physician. Gotcha. Okay. And it just, it's a, cause there's like a this popular kind of thing going on. It's like, um, getting into a doctor's office like that. Do you feel like a lot of times they're competent with working with athletes? Cause like I go to urgent care if I have like the flu right. and the first thing they do, they weigh me the, and they start to talk to me about my lifestyle because I have a BMR of, a BMI of like 33. Yeah. Like I am morbidly obese as said by the U S government. Like yeah. do you, do, you would say that most sports docs would be open to working with an athlete and not hounding them about their lifestyle, you know, kind of accepting and, and, and treating them as such. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I've never gotten in with one. I, I, that, that would be something that I would be interested in working with. Cause I, I, you definitely understand like not all of the issues that we've run into, or you don't want to go to a normal doctor for it. Right. So, yep. And that's, you know, and athletes get sick too, right? So like when I took care of the Boise State's football team last year, like I was taking care of the kids that got pneumonia, that got, you know, the flu and things like that. And and we we want to know, like, can you compete while you're sick? Well, yeah, well, this is what we're going to do to adjust your workouts. But yeah, you can still compete. You know, yeah, we, we look at we look at people differently through the eye of an athlete because most sports medicine doctors are athletes in, in some way, shape, or form. Whether they're tennis players or golfers or swimmers or weight, you know, there aren't as many weightlifters. Um, there just really aren't as many weightlifters. I'm finding more, but um, a lot of them lift weights, but we're different, right? So, like, right. You know, weightlifter versus someone who lifts weights, there's a difference there. So, I don't know a lot of doctors who are weightlifters like me, but um, but I know a lot of docs that lift weights. I see a lot of strength coaches that came from weightlifting formerly, yeah. but not a lot of doctors. Right. I'm not sure what it is, but cool. Awesome. All right. Yeah. So 
Mm-hmm. I was gonna, I was gonna get back to some of the cage muscle stuff. So, what is your, what is your cage muscle stack that you, you've been using? I like right now. I'm using CreaClear. Yes. Um, to try to gain a little size. Uh, I've not used creatine for a number of years because um, I have a genetic kidney disease that my sweet mother gave me. And so I have to be really careful with uh, creatine. I've gone into rhabdo twice in my life, and I can Ooh. tell you I do not want to do that again. Um, that sucks. So I have to be really careful about creatine. And uh, I've been able to use the CreaClear now for the past, like, two or three months, and I've had no problems at all. So Have you gotten blood work really, on that? Like, I don't need you to yeah. make any claims. but so. Oh, yeah. I, I've right. done blood work on it, absolutely. Like, tracking my creatine levels, my creatinine levels haven't changed. So really, uh, my doc's good with me using it. Yeah. But if you use regular creatine monohydrate, would you have way higher creatinine six levels? Weeks, six weeks, that's it. That's all I can use it. And then really? my creatinine will be so high that I've got to come off it. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I might want to like yeah. – I love doing blood tests and stuff. So I almost like want to tinker with that. But I don't think I have a problem with the regular monohydrate. But I do notice that uh, I, I really enjoy just plopping some CreaClear into whatever powder yeah. I'm drinking. Yep. Love the CreaClear. I love the amino synergy. So I use the amino synergy during my workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I use HydroCharge kind of all day long, sipping on my my water. Like I've got a drawer full of it right here actually, like my little snack drawer. Um, so I've got the HydroCharge here. And then uh, throughout the day, I'll, I'll use some of the, the whey isolate. So I've got some of the whey isolate here at work. Uh, after my workouts, I use the recaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use the pre-caged, obviously, before my workouts. And um, – think that's for the most part right now that's pretty much what i'm using so the pre-caged the amino synergy the hydrocharge the re the re-caged the whey protein oh and then i've got some casein protein at night too that i'll use to like make a pudding with like the casein chocolate casein pudding um let's see what else have i got oh uh, i use citrulline on like just citrulline uh and the amino amino synergy that doesn't have caffeine if i'm working out late at night um because I can still get that vascularization and feel like I'm getting the blood flowing without getting all, you know, getting that caffeine so that it makes it harder for me to sleep. Mm-hmm. So those things for sure. Yeah, with I've always loved Sorry, I was just saying, I, I like when you talk about the line, it's so simple. That's what I've always loved about the cage muscle lines. Like, there's no like, there's no gimmicks, there's no bells and whistles. It's very simple. It's to the point. It's t- tried and true, and, and and everything's very research backed. Um, yep. You don't have to talk about like their you know, award-winning testosterone booster or muscle builder. It's it's just, it's honestly also that you would normally find in the diet, but from good sources and it, it's high quality. What were you going to yeah. say, Mike? Uh, no, I was, gonna, I was just going to make a joke about the four to five hours of sleep a night, which <laughs> I, I don't I don't think I could be able to, I can't do as much as you do, uh, no matter what, pretty much. So four hours of sleep won't cut it, but, but definitely like if you take your stims too late in the day, it will no doubt cut into sleep quality if you do like any sleep tracking or anything like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Cage Muscle doesn't have like a stim-free version of pre-cage, so you're kind of off left there to, to create your own. So a little yep. little idea of maybe for you and Brian to get together. Yeah, that's, that's actually not a bad idea, yeah. And also a, a plant-based protein, I think, would be beneficial because I've I've known some people who, you know, if they're if they're lactose intolerant, they may not be able to use whey protein, and so having a plant-based protein may be something that'd be worthwhile looking into. Right. That's that's one thing we're noticing is that a lot of people aren't necessarily using some of those proteins because they're vegan or vegetarian so much as they are more going dairy-free. And I know that like. 
for me, I, I can handle a scoop away, no problem. But if I if I have like four or five scoops away, uh, I definitely feel a little bit inflamed the next day, and I, I I wake up a little bit more sore if I overdo it, especially at night. So I I think like some people are starting to realize that, and they want to go dairy free, or they're just like tankering around for a month. And uh, I I have to believe that there's there's probably something in the works at some point, but. Who knows? You know, yeah. Like I said, like Cage Muscle isn't going to rush anything to the market. That's what you got to really appreciate about Chris is that he's he's a nut with it. And, and we we want that and we expect that. Like there's some brands where you want to see a new product every week. And the Cage Muscle is not one of them. You know, we're, we're happy with what we get because we know when we get it, it's going to be good. It seems on brand for them, too. If you watch um Chris's like live to 100 drink in the morning. What do you put like with the, the reds and the greens and the glutamine, the, all the fermented sources and stuff. Um, I think he just posted a new version of it the other day. It seems on brand for like a plant fruits to come out there. I'd love to see them do a greens as well. Yeah. I think Dr. Did we lose Caleb. Yeah. I think we just froze up. Uh, we lost Caleb there, but that was a really good conversation. We really appreciate him taking the time because he spends uh, a lot of time with patients. So he's got to deal with a little bit of that right now. Um, the only question I was going to ask is like what we could expect to, uh, from him with cage muscles. So maybe we'll get a little bit of a follow up and maybe have him like patch in a one minute video or something like that. But uh, what a very multi talented guy who has so many different things. We could have steered that conversation to so many different angles. And I almost like wonder, yeah. like, did I go in the right direction when I asked a certain question? We had to bring it back to Cage Muscle here and there. But yeah, my, my next question is like, all right, what's next? Like, this guy can do a ton of stuff. Can we see some like content on the Cage Muscle uh, social media channels from him? Because there's a lot of things like these people that we interview have so much information in their brains, and we sometimes we need like a good venue to let let them like let it rip. So like, I, I would love. Sometimes for- I feel like. If the millennial in me, I'm just like, oh, I wish he would make more posts, make more content. Like I meet these interesting people. I'm like, why don't I know about this person? Why don't like why don't they tell us all about their lives all the time? And then you realize he's got a wife and kids and 17 different jobs and doesn't have time to be posting blogs and content and stuff. But man, that, it was, I almost feel bad. I don't want to say like I discounted at first when when they were like, you know, we've got this local doctor that we'd like you to talk to. I was just like, well, you know. It sounds like a local doc. I didn't realize all the, the huge amount of stuff that he does and, and all the things he's interested in and, and involved with. I think, I so. think yeah, they got to present him as team team uh, team cage muscle. Uh, they got to present him as cage muscles team doctor. And I think yeah. that like sports team sports whatever it is team doctor. But uh, there's <laughs> yeah. there's a ton of stuff that he could do. It's almost like I don't and I don't know how much this costs or I should know, but how much. Uh, how much it costs or how much like budget cage muscle will throw at it. But if you could just get like a video guy to follow him around for one day a month and then he's going to bust into, and you don't have to get the patience on camera or anything, but he's going to bust into whatever rant it is. Be like, dude, these doctors need to stop telling people to stop squatting. Here's what we fix. You know, whatever the rant may be or whatever, you're going to get like, you know, like 10 killer pieces of content that we simply just can't, do without going to school and seeing doctors or seeing patients for five years. So this is like 15 years of information that you can't recreate, especially because he's a weightlifter, like he said too. So like, I I don't know. Yeah. Obviously he's not going to be the one that's going to fire up the cameras. It's almost like you need to have someone follow people around like this for just a day once in a while. And you're going to get some nuggets. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that is a a valid business model, but like, yeah, I want to get that information out there. And um, 
it, it's good to have. And it's tough. Like you know, he's in Boise with Gethin. So yeah. I, <laughs> and I know the video guys out there, Nick too. So, I mean, I would love to see content with him. I know that I'm going to be putting that in the email follow up for this. Cause I want to see it. I think he's, it he was wildly interesting and, I mean, we didn't even break anything about the UFC stuff that he does, the, the fighting stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, all you need to know is this guy works with people who have broken their spine and now they can lift weights again. Like, right. most, if not all surgeons outside of that will tell you, do not ever put a load bearing on, on your spine ever again after that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but I think we talked about it maybe for a little bit too long, but we got the point across that, like, a lot of these people that he's working with are people who aren't interested in just living. They're right. interested in thriving. Right, they're being interested. And I have some friends in sports and sports medicine, and I've never heard them put it like he did. Like I almost think you should use that as the intro clip. Is like the difference, but you know, between someone who goes to sports medicine and someone who just does medicine. And yeah, you know, they're 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 waiting. How long can I be out for? No, how long? When can I get back in? Is like is what you want and that's that's so cool like that kind of just motivated me right there so i well i felt that i I really i get that i I know like anytime i've had any any kind of small setback it's like i understand what he means like when i was in middle school and i got a cold i was like can i be out for three days like do i have to go back to school Mm -hmm. but now it's like no like every single day you wake up in pain you're thinking about like how you could be waking up and getting back to where you were right you know it's it's Mm -hmm. it's tough i remember the first time i met gethin uh, was at a vitamin shop show a long time ago, and he was in that sling from having his shoulder worked on. And it was just like, you ever see if you ever see an like a, a, a person who lives athletically, like in a sling, it's like the most depressing thing because you know, yeah, it's killing them. So, man, I it, thank God for people like him because I, I think about like what athletes used to have to do before we had competent medical help for them. Mm-hmm. You know, like even just him talking about how what like two back surgeries a hip surgery and like a shoulder surgery so like you think about like what 50 years ago we probably couldn't have been able to do any of that stuff right yeah i mean yeah there's a good chance that a lot of these people would be well they wouldn't be pushing the limits possibly uh but those who did would probably be in wheelchairs and stuff so it's so cool to see yeah. uh how how far we come along but at the same time it still takes work you know like there's everyone yeah can be special in some capacity but you're gonna have to work at it like, there's a few genetic freaks out there even they like to get to the to pinnacle have to work and when it comes to the recovery too it's gonna be twice as much work and i i think he makes that pretty clear so yeah I, overall i really hope cage muscle finds a way to to pull him away or, or just join him for day in the life and just get some cool content because that was a glimpse into like whoa that dude knows a lot of stuff and we never heard of him so this is this is like a total yeah, very cool introduction. Yeah, I think uh, maybe if they can marry that with with. I mean, I hope I don't want anyone to get injured, but if someone on the team gets injured, they can cover that. Um, because I, I think you don't see a lot of content on people who are getting their way back up. You know, and, who are who are rehabbing and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that that's an, that's important content because I know that when you're in that, you can feel very isolated. So to, yeah. to show that kind of road back. Well, it's depressing too. Like if that's what your life is and you, you need to do have a good comeback story every now and then, but like you don't want to turn on that camera when you're having a bad day and you're having a bad day when you can't train and your life is training. So it's like this negative feedback loop that can happen. And, and man, you don't want to see people like 
you know, seeing you hurt and everything, but that is kind of part of the story. And that's the humanizing element that, uh, I, I think that, you know, we do need to see on occasionally on social media, that it's not all beautiful plates of steak on the plate and, uh, and, you know, great lifts. Like there's some bad, st- bad stuff happens too, but Hey, there's a recovery story along with it. I also think like, this is a, something that cage muscle, I don't, they can't really advertise him, but like, it would make me want, if I'm a hard training athlete, it would make me want to be on team cage muscle more than, yeah. any other team like dude they got a team doctor why don't other major brands have a team doctor maybe they do they don't really talk about it though or maybe their team doctor isn't really like living the life like he is so i think that's like i don't know that kind of made- i think it has a lot more to do with how companies position themselves like a lot more companies are just looking to slap their logo on an athlete and i, I, I don't mean this means any any yeah, company yeah, out there that's right. watching but but like, I think a lot of companies are mostly interested in slapping their logo on someone's shirt, making their money off their affiliate, and paying them a salary to get their their influencer numbers sent over, mm-hmm. instead of cultivating a group of people and helping them and lifting them up. You yeah. know, I, I think that Cage does a really good job of selecting athletes very carefully that fit their mold, mm-hmm. that are interested in pursuing the same things that really Chris is which is a, you know, more efficient, better athletic life and, and reaching huge goals and having a, a team doctors is going to only help that. So I, I can see the difference in that. And, uh, you know, look at some other videos that we've got. We've had uh, Amanda Acapinti, the acupuncturist on Team Neutral. Right. Uh, you know, you can see that with a lot of good companies that they support their own. They provide resources. They, you know, they source and cultivate that together. So I, I can definitely see how why Cage Muscle is different for putting that together. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, dude. I, I, I love them. I love the moves that they make. It's totally awesome. All right, cool. Well, I'm about empty on this bad boy, so I think I gotta go with a little bit of training at least. <laughs> it was gonna be an off day. <laughs> Honestly, it was gonna be an off day and I realized that my um I did squats yesterday and my back and my my core is more sore than anything else, which means I have a lot of deficiencies to work on. So after a conversation like that, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit and uh and then get back on the computer. So Cool, man. Oh, well, wait. enjoy. I'm going to go do some shoulder exercises and uh, <laughs> try to get as healthy as uh, Caleb. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hopefully without as many surgeries. <laughs> All right, signing out, Mike and Ben. And we missed uh, yeah, the ending for Dr. Caleb, but we will uh, hopefully hear more from them, from him and Team Cage Muscle. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And subscribe to the channel on all social media platforms. Hey guys, really grateful to be on the podcast today with Mike and Ben, the guys from Price Plow. Y'all have an amazing website, do some great uh, great work in comparing products for uh, people who are looking for supplements and uh, nutrition information. And and uh, I think you guys do a great job of producing great content for folks. And so I was really grateful for the opportunity to speak today with you guys about my involvement with Cage Muscle and um, in my fitness journey and, and uh, sort of my career path. As far as what's coming up next for me with Cage Muscle, I'm definitely going to be involved with uh, helping out with some of the trainers that Chris Gethin's putting out and giving nutritional and supplemental information for people that they can follow to try to get healthier, fitter lives. And uh, we'll be giving information on rehab, tips and tricks on exercise and and, um, different modalities that you can use for training. And then also helping out on the sidelines with, um, you know, athletes who have injuries and who have uh, consultations and things like that. So moving forward, um, hopefully being able to get in depth a little bit more with some of the scientific aspects of the supplementation world and um, yeah, some big things coming on the horizon. So really great, grateful again for the opportunity to speak with you guys today. Um, 
and uh, really looking forward to, uh, uh, you know, chatting again. So you guys have a great day and appreciate it and uh, talk to you later.